So this morning's passage comes from Jeremiah 31, 31 through 35. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. And now from 1 Corinthians 11:23 through 26 For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Well, good morning. I had the privilege uh, a couple years ago to go to Taiwan with a wonderful team and to go minister there. And one of the, one of the most uh, beautiful memories for me was there's a, there's a lake in uh, Taiwan. It's called Sun Moon Lake. And it's a, an incredible tourist attraction. And as we're ministering in Taiwan, uh, someone decides... Uh, Listen, why don't we go to Sun Moon Lake, where all of these uh, Chinese come from mainland China to visit this beautiful lake, and why don't we go and hand out Bibles as people are coming off by the busload to this lake? And so we decided, let's do this together as a team. And so there was a, there's a beautiful ministry there that, that makes Bibles. And so we went and we thought, well, we'll probably, you know, let's grab a couple hundred um, because they're pretty resistant. Uh, and in mainland China, as many of you know, you can't, you can't just hand out Bibles. Uh, it's very underground. God is doing an explosive work in China, but you can't just be free to give out the Word of God. And so we showed up. At the, at the bus stop at Sun Moon Lake. And we were, we were uh, nervous, and we didn't quite know what to do. And they said, listen, you say these words. You say, Sungeni, and just say those words, Sungeni. And we were like, well, what does that mean? You know, we're thinking, I'm a crazy American. I'm a crazy American. <laughs> but they said, it just means this is a gift for you. This is a gift for you. And so it was this beautiful Bible. And so here they come by the busloads, thousands upon thousands of Chinese from mainland China. And we would say, Sungeni. And then they would do this. 
There was a real mix. Some would get off and they'd say, no! And then the leader of the bus would tell everybody in the group, do not take these Bibles from these people. Walk away from them. And they would just, I mean, straight out, get away from these people. And then others would come by the bus loads and they would receive this gift. And they say, what is this? And we say, this is a Bible about Jesus. And their faces lit up. Oh, I've been wanting a Bible. And they would receive it. Very thankful. Some would get off the bus and say, oh, what, how much is this? Oh, no, no, no. Sungeni. Just a gift. Just a gift. And then the other tour leaders over there yelling at the people receiving the Bible. Don't take those Bibles. Don't take those Bibles. Last week, as we looked at 2 Corinthians, one of the things that it said, it says, we are, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are an aroma of God. We're an aroma of Christ. To some, we are an aroma of death. To others, we are an aroma of life. This is who God is making us to be as followers of Jesus Christ. And as Paul is teaching us what it means to live in the new covenant, in a new relationship with Jesus Christ, what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to live His life through us. And the promise of last week was, you are always led in triumphal procession in Christ. To some, they say, I want nothing to do with this Word of God and who He is. To others are, oh, I have been longing for the Word of God and to know Him. But we are always being led in triumph. That God wants to use our lives to minister His love to a broken world. And He's going to continue along this theme. And one of the things that I want you to be able to pick up as we journey together in New Covenant, and as we look at uh, chapter 3 this morning, is that we are living in New Covenant, living in a life that is an aroma And this morning we're going to see we are letters of Christ and that we are ministers of the new covenant. Look back at uh, chapter 2, verse 16. It says this, To one we are the smell of death, and to the other the fragrance of life. And here's the question in all of this. The question is, And who is equal to such a task? Who is equal to such a task? And the answer is, not us. Living out in our flesh, where God is having impact on the hearts of people, who is equal to such a task? Not us. However, Christ living in us and through us is. And he calls us to such a task. He leads us, He allows us to be part of this beautiful kingdom work of His. Where is the Lord calling you to such a task? And are you allowing Him to live through you so that we can have the joy of seeing people receive the love of God? Oh, I've been longing for this Bible. 
I've been wanting to read more about Jesus. Who is adequate for such a thing? That's the constant question. We're going to see it in chapter 3 as well this morning. As we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we find adequacy in our Lord. We find sufficiency in Christ. You see, the truth is about you and me, if we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the truth is we've been transformed We've been changed from within. We're a new creation in Christ, right? The scripture tells us that. And as we have been transformed, we offer the same life, we offer the same hope, we offer the same joy that we have in Christ to a world who longs for that, who longs for hope and life. We are the messenger. And the Lord wants to use us. We're not hucksters. We're not, we're not out peddling the gospel, like it says towards the end of, of chapter 2. We offer, we offer Christ. We are an aroma of Christ. We're not like those in verse 17 who peddle the word of God for profit. Again, the Chinese were used to people peddling the word of God. Well, how much is this? Oh, no, no. This isn't for profit. This is for your life, your soul. This is for your relationship with God. Paul's saying, we're not like those who are out to make a buck off God. We're very sincere in what we're doing. We've been with you. We've journeyed with you. You know our lives. We're here to remind you of who we are in Christ and how to live life in the new covenant, in this new relationship with our living God, through His Son, Jesus. Everything that we are saying to you is about our life in Christ. What God has done, Paul is saying, in our broken lives, our far from perfect lives, it's all about how God is using us to, to speak truth to you, to give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's God working through us to bring this message of salvation to you and the truth of the Word of God to you. But then what happens after that is he's the heart surgeon. We're not. We bring you the Word of God and then we let God do His work. But we get to participate in that. We are an aroma. And now he's going to go into we are letters of Christ. Back in Corinth, they were saying, who does Paul think he is? What are his credentials? What's he all about? He hasn't been around a while. They're challenging his authority and what he's been doing. And so we enter into chapter 3. Look at beginning in verse 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ. The result of our ministry, it's written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone but on tablets of the human heart. 
doesn't seem like we are patting ourselves on the back, he's saying, or insisting that we need to prove our credentials. Are we trying to assert our authority all of a sudden? In the Greek, the way the Greek lays this out is the expected answer of such a question is absolutely not. Absolutely not. These letters of recommendation, of commendation, were, were incredibly common in the time of the church, in the new church. Because what was happening is false prophets were traveling around and they would just show up into a city and into Corinth. And they would say things of this nature. Oh, Paul sent me to give you this word. Yet they were totally false. And so it became customary to have a letter that, that proved, hey, I approve this person and who they are from one of the apostles, from one of the leaders of the church. And so you would show up and you would present this letter of commendation so that you could teach in the church. Paul had sent several letters of this type. He, he commended his dear sister Phoebe in Romans 16. Hey, trust her. She's a good woman. Allow her to work in your midst. She's been an absolute blessing to us. We'll see later on in 2 Corinthians in chapter 8, he sends another letter speaking of Titus and those guarding the money, the tithe, as they were taking it to the church in Jerusalem. Hey, you can trust these guys. I know all about them. So it's okay to give them the tithe, and they will be secure. And they're going to do it together. And I just have one person handle this. And so letters would go out of this nature. But what Paul's saying in the beginning of, of chapter 3 is, do we, do we, the guys who God used to start this church in Corinth, we're the ones who started it through the power of the Holy Spirit, do we all of a sudden need letters of commendation about our ministry and our words to you? Even though people are challenging us, do we need these letters? The answer is absolutely not. And he says, why? Look at verse 2. You yourselves, you yourselves are our letter. You're our epistle written on hearts known and read by everybody. You yourselves, dear saints in Corinth, you're the letter that we need. Because here's what's happened. You were transformed. When we brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to you, you were transformed. You used to live in the way of sin. You were enslaved to sin, but you were transformed. You were changed. You became a new creation in Christ. And when you believed in the Son of God, your life was completely turned upside down, and now you started to live in the power of Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. You realized that Christ had died on the cross for your sin, and you surrendered your life unto Him, and you were saved. You were saved as you believed in the Son of God, that He died and that He rose again. And your life has never been the same. You no longer were enslaved. You were no longer weighed down, guilty of your sin. The price was paid by Jesus. 
And ever since then, you've been living in new hope and in new life. Freed from shame and guilt. You see, all over you is our letter. Your life is our letter. And now everywhere you go, as a son or daughter in Christ, you're not only an aroma being led in triumph in every place. Verse 3 says, you are a letter of Christ. You, dear saints, are a letter of Christ. I don't know if you realize, everywhere you go, as you remain in the vine, as you live through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, everywhere you go, there is a sound. There's a sound. And it's this. Ding! You got mail. You got mail. Everywhere around, as you walk into a room, there's ding, there's mail. People are reading you. This letter has been gone out, and it's you. You are, Paul is saying, you are an aroma of God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, everywhere you go, you're being led by Christ in triumph to a world that is dying and hopeless. Some who are going to say, I want nothing to do with this. But thousands upon thousands who are going to say, oh, I've been longing to know and to hear. You're an aroma as you walk into a room. People are going, what's that smell? And then there's that sound, ding. There's mail that has showed up. You guys get it every day on your box. You know what the sound that's happening in heaven every day? This is the sound. Every day in heaven. It's this sound. I think you have this on your computers. I can't do it super well, but... It's that little airplane being sent out. The angels are going... They're hearing that... They're like, oh, Jesus sent out another letter. It's you. You are a letter of Christ. It's gone out. They're stepping into a room, and people are going, what is it about your life? I'm smelling something. And there's something about your life I want to know. To some, you are death. To others, you are absolute life. To some, they will say, do you have nothing with these Bibles? To others, they will say, I've been longing to know about Jesus. God is doing his work in the hearts of men and women. And we've got to realize that God wants to use us and he invites us in to be part of that. Everywhere we go, people are reading you. That sound. You know, I, I had a kind of in a lousy circumstance, but had a wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, just time with dear saints in this body. And uh, many of you... I can't even believe you're here this morning, Mark. My goodness. So Mark over here, this is the way Mark leads life. Like he has a heart attack and he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm a, I got to make it to church. You know, he's had a heart attack this last week. And uh, this is God, God's got a lot for Mark Van Skyver because he's been hit on all kinds of ways and he keeps them running. Uh, and so thank you that you're here this morning. Uh, 
because this story's about you. And uh, I was hoping I could talk behind his back, but I guess not. <laughs> but here's what was really cool. So uh, we're all waiting uh, in, in the waiting room as Mark is getting a stint put in. And uh, um, we're just sharing stories about life and about Mark and about connections with the family of God. And here's what started to happen. It was really cool. All of a sudden, everybody starts to share their testimonies of how they came to Christ and, and, and through all these relationships. And here's, here's the testimonies that I was hearing. One dear woman, she said, you know, it's amazing. She came to Christ later in life. And, and so we were asking, well, how did it all come about? Well, you know what? I was at HP. I worked at HP. And there was a young employee there. And, and uh, he, he, would just, he would be at lunchtime. He'd be like in the Word of God. He'd be praying and stuff. And there was something about that that just drew me to that person. And he invited us to church and, and uh, to Bible study. And as I watched his life in Christ, uh, something stirred in my heart. Then started to come to Bible study. And, I, and then I think uh, received the book, um, More Than a Carpenter. Is that right? More Than a Carpenter. And as, as she read this book, More Than a Carpenter, uh, it, it responded to questions she had in her heart. And she gave her heart to Jesus. And has been following the Lord ever since. Because that young HP guy... It was actually Nick Armstrong. That young HP guy was a letter of Christ. Didn't even know it. That's just what's true of us. I, I think sometimes we forget who God's made us to be. We are an aroma. We are a letter of Christ. And that everywhere we go, as we are depending on the power of Christ to work through us, again, we're not the heart surgeon. He is. And we know that. It's not our stuff. Again, the question always goes out, who's adequate for such a task? I'm not. I know you aren't either. But these stories in this hospital room kept going, and there was another woman who just... Same thing, there was just a person in her life, and as she watched this life in Christ, it started to just draw her heart, like there's something different about the way this person lives life. And so all these testimonies were about all these letters of Christ. You see? Paul says this is, this is what it is living in the new covenant, in a new relationship with Jesus. Because we've been transformed, Paul's saying, I came and I gave you the, the good news of Jesus Christ. He did all the work on your heart. You're the letters of commendation for us, but we, we were just the messengers. See, your life has been changed, and now you too are letters of Christ. Everywhere you go, in every place. I think it's amazing that God involves us in all of this. And it really is life, and it's life-giving. People are reading us in every place. Paul says, I'm, I'm just the mailman. There's something very special about this letter, about you. Verse 3. You are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry. Listen about the way God did this with you. This letter, you, your salvation, it's not written with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human 
heart. It's not written from anything of this earth. It's not written because all of a sudden of all your earthly efforts. Your transformation into a child of God came from the powerful spirit of the living God alone. Period. That's how it came about. And you were overwhelmed by His love and by His grace. That's how God works. And yet He, he uses us to be the mailman. He uses us to be the deliverer. He uses our lives, our broken, messy lives, to be this aroma of Christ, which to some is death, but to some is absolute life. That's living in the new covenant. Not on stone tablets, not by trying to follow the rules, but on human hearts. You opened up your heart to God, He changed your heart. You know, I was, I was reading recently about Dick Cheney, and he has a new book out. And he, uh, he had five heart attacks. Five. Very severe. And every time he'd have a heart attack, you know, they always go, well, let's try to tweak some stuff here and there. And they, they kept trying to make his really crummy heart. It was just his heart was a mess. They kept trying to just sort of fix this heart that was just not a good heart. Five times he had a heart attack. Severe. And then finally he says, I realized I needed a new heart. And so he got a heart transplant. He needed a new heart. That's what God does with us. He gives us a new heart. It's not this outward stuff. It's not this outward doing of Christianity. It's this absolute radical transformation. It's not just getting some things fixed on our heart. It's a brand new heart. And you have salvation and you have life in Christ. As you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He gives you a new heart. And yet he uses us for such purposes. And we come back to that question, who is able, who is able to do such things? Who is able for such a task? It's not me, Paul saying. It's not you. It's Christ. He's the heart surgeon. And then he goes on. Look in verse 4. Such confidence, again, he's responding to who's able to do such a task. Such confidence we have, though, as this is ours through, now where's the confidence come through? Through Christ before God. Not that we are confident in ourselves to claim anything from ourselves, but our confidence comes from God. He has made us, now you can't miss, well, look what else he's doing with us. He has made us competent. He's the one doing the work as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. When people ask me what the new covenant is, or what does it mean to live in the new covenant, I want you to highlight these verses that I just read. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 4-6. This is the core of what new covenant means, and new covenant living. I am not adequate. 
I am not sufficient for anything of the spiritual nature of living for God, of, of springing forth the life of God. I am not adequate in and of myself. The only adequacy I have is from God in my life and then living through me. That's it. I, I know this very clearly every time I come up here and teach. You see, this isn't just a, this isn't just a public speaking. I'm not going to all of a sudden just transform Dan Brown's life, you know, because I'm such a good public speaker. The only way anything's going to happen in this church family is that God allows me the privilege of bringing his word and that he is ministering through me through the power of his spirit. And so here's what I know to be true, that his word is going to you. And he's doing his work on your hearts. It's not me. I don't have to tell one more good joke to make it you know, more interesting. I'm not adequate. I'm not. But Christ is through me. And the beautiful thing for all of us is that he, he loves using our lives and, and he loves inviting us in to be part of this ministry of his. But New Covenant are these verses. I think it sums it up to the core. We are not adequate of anything. Our competence comes from Christ through God. And he has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant. That word actually is servants of the new covenant, ministers of the new covenant. Who is equal to such a task? My dad, my good old dad, he wrote a book uh, called Free at Last. And it's, it's, Free at Last is actually his ministry for the last 20 some odd years. He my dad grew up under the law, under legalism, under the rules of the church, under the weight of trying to live for God. And then God transformed his heart, and, and he discovered what it meant to live in the new covenant, and it changed his life. And so he, he wrote a little book about his life, uh, and just a, and a, a little study on 2 Corinthians. And uh, just so you know, I, I put a bunch of these uh, in the library, and uh, so they're available there. Um, I, I just think this book will really minister to you. Um, and if not, uh, it's on Amazon and all those. And for you, my friends, today and today only, uh, 1995. Not that we're peddling the Word of God or anything. But here's, here's what he says about our, our being competent. Uh, he says this, Paul looked back on his religious upbringing and contrasted it with his new relationship with the Lord. He saw that his entire religious lifestyle had initiated within himself. He had depended on his personality, on his wisdom, on his strength, on his courage, on his knowledge, his family, his college experience, his ability to keep the law, never having called out to God to enable him to live life, to live his life, to please the one who created him. But once he met the risen Messiah on the road to Damascus, he began to realize that the Lord wanted him to come to him for everything necessary 
to live his new life. And he began to see that there was a difference between living his life in his own strength or the strength of his new Lord. That's new covenant living. And we have been called to be ministers of the new covenant. Our adequacy is from God. Paul speaks to that in Philippians about, I had all these things, I had all the skills and the talents, I was pretty unbelievable. But God changed my life. It's all from Him. But yet, I am able to be a minister of the new covenant. I'm able to live this way. I'm able to have life in Christ and keep going because I'm able to do, like Philippians 4.13 says, I'm able to do all things through the One, through Christ, who strengthens me. And so, here's what's amazing. He says of us, as followers of Jesus Christ, you are ministers of the new covenant. And you go, what's, what's that all about? New has the idea, it's not like getting a new car. New has the idea of, it's, it's a totally different relationship. Better, renewed, better in quality. It's a new type. And this is a new relationship with God. And obviously what we're seeing in these last few verses is this contrast between what was the old covenant, and now which is the old relationship with God, and now what is the new relationship with the living God through His Son, Jesus. The old was external. It gives us images of the Ten Commandments. Paul says in Romans 7 that, you know what, here's the deal about the old covenant, about the law. The law is good and it's holy, Because what it did for us is it revealed our sin. That was the old relationship with God to show very clearly that God is a just judge, that He is holy, and it reveals who we are. It reveals the character of God and how far we fall short of Him. It brought death, the Ten Commandments, and the law, because we just can't do it. We just can't do it. And the outcome of not being able to do it is death, like eternal death. And that's also spiritual death now, which is, there's, what's our hope? How do we ever obtain this? It brought spiritual bankruptcy. But it causes us to cry out to God for mercy, for love, and for grace. That's the old covenant, the old law. It's the picture of Moses and the tablets. And then it became, from, from the, old, the old law, the Ten Commandments, then it became living under the law, under the rules. Keep, keep trying to live this Christian life in our own strength instead of being free at last, living in this new relationship with Jesus. We start to live under, and then, and then what happens is we do the checklist, and then we become very self-righteous about how good of a Christian we are. And then once we realize how good of a Christian we are, then I'm very able to point at Donna and say, oh, don't you wish you were as good a Christian as I am? You're just not. And look at all your faults. See, this is living under the law and the old, that which is external. He says, no, no, no. There's a new relationship with God. The new covenant 
The new covenant is beautiful intimacy. It's a relationship of love with holy God through his son, Jesus Christ. It's a relationship of grace, of this unmerited favor. We don't deserve it, but God offers it to us. It becomes a relationship where this is the best part. We actually start to live to please God because we want to. Not because we have to. Not because we have to check off the list and did I keep the commandments. But because we want to please God because we love Him. Because He loved us. And He gave us life and salvation. Not because I have to. It's a new relationship that was set in motion by God through Christ. That was the, the blood of the new covenant that Jesus spoke about in the upper room. This is the new relationship with me. I'm going to pay the price for your sin. There is no more. You have to keep all these rules. There is you have to receive me as Lord and Savior because I will take the penalty. Your sin now has been washed and cleansed. Come have a relationship with me. That's New Covenant. New Covenant is a life that is surrendered to Christ and that there's heart change. It's not on tablets. It's not, again, going, look at the checklist. I've done so well. That's all external. New Covenant is my heart has been changed. And so I'm always dependent on the Holy Spirit, on the power of Christ. Lord, I want to be like you. I want to live for you. Help me. I'm a mess. And he says, yes, I forgive you your sin. Yes, I want to use your life. I know you're a mess. I want people to see through you who I am. You're a letter of mine. New covenant is life empowered by the Holy Spirit. Everything given by the Holy Spirit. And we are invited in, we're called in to minister in the New Covenant. I think it's an amazing picture that he invites us into this. Beautiful and wonderful. I wanted to just tell you of one story, wrap with this. Francis Chan, who's a great pastor and author and very influential spiritual leader. He says this. He says, you know what? I cannot make someone fall in love with Jesus. I came home for me literally one day when my teenage daughter was very clear that she did not love Jesus. I spent nights crying and bawling and praying to the Lord. Here I'm known for my ability to communicate. I'm a well-known public figure figure, but there was nothing that I could do for my own daughter that would make her fall in love with Jesus. Of course, I could still guide her and I could lead her, but I was powerless to convict her. And so I just prayed to God, God, either your spirit comes into her or your spirit doesn't. It doesn't matter how great of a dad I am. I can't bring her to life. You see, that's ministering in the new covenant. That's a recognition like, Lord, I know you want me to, to be used of you to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to, to show people the love of God. And you know what? I know there's some of you who've really been praying for people out there. You've been ministering with them. You care about their lives. 
And they're just, they're just still nowhere with Jesus. What it means to be a minister of the new covenant is that I just depend on you, Father, to give me what you need for this person. And I will speak forth and I will be used however you want to use me. But I cannot, in and of myself, I can't. I can't make them fall in love with you, Jesus. You have to be the heart surgeon. And so you just release that unto God. Because that's God's business. He's the one who does that. But the awesome thing is, he invites us to be part of that. And so Francis Chan's daughter eventually surrendered her heart to Christ. But that was all God's work. We, dear saints, are an aroma of Christ everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, there's a ding. You are a letter of Christ. And we are invited in to be ministers of this new relationship with the living God. And so I pray for us, dear saints, that you would allow God to minister through you as we love this broken world of ours. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the way you minister to us and through us. And Father, I just pray for this body. I just pray that you would continue to keep speaking to our hearts. And Father, allowing us, I know some of us are still stuck under the law and the rules, and we keep trying to be these good Christians. And Father, I just pray for all of us that you would just do this transformative work in our hearts, change our hearts. Father, help us to hold on to you. Help us to seek after you, Father. Empower us through your Holy Spirit to live for you. We desire to remain in the vine, Father. And we, together as a family of Christ, we acknowledge you as our Lord and Savior. And we want to say we love you, Father. We thank you for the blood of the new covenant. In your precious name, amen.